What a Woman, the podcast where we talk to inspirational women. I'm your host, Caroline Lyons, and together with the producer of What a Woman podcast, Sarah Benner, we will bring you conversations with a diverse group of women who will tell us about how they've achieved their goals or childhood dreams, the obstacles they might have had to overcome, the sacrifices they've made, and the resilience they've needed to get to where they are now to inspire and encourage us all to get the best out of ourselves and make a difference in our own lives. My guest today is Carol Brick. I was at a low point that I was unhappy. And like that, if you're sitting in a job that you absolutely hate day after day, um, you know, your confidence does begin to get knocked. And, you know, if you're gone for, I think I went for four or five different interviews and you know, some of these people I knew within the bank, some of them didn't even come back to me, which was worse than even being turned down, you know, that I was thought so little of. And that was that was quite hurtful, but it could only go one way and that was upwards. And I was just lucky that the minute I left anyway, I made the right decision. Carol Brick is one of the leading businesswomen in Ireland and founder of Her Money, an all-female business dedicated to providing financial planning to professional women throughout Ireland and for which Carol won the 2021 Network Cork Businesswoman of the Year Award for Established Business. She is also Managing Director of CWM Wealth Management, which provides tailor-made financial solutions to self-employed contractors all over Ireland. And she writes articles regularly in the press giving financial advice. Carol is an entrepreneur in an industry that has historically been more male-dominated and she went through setbacks to her confidence and jobs she did not enjoy in her early career before finding her specialty in wealth management. It takes hard work and sacrifice to juggle her successful businesses whilst also raising a young son but Carol has always been willing to step out of her comfort zone to fulfil her potential. She wants to emphasise to women how important it is to put ourselves first and get our finances in order so that we can be financially secure in the future. Welcome to the podcast, Carol Brick. Thank you very much. It's really exciting to talk to you. I've recently won an award for established business for the Business Women of the Year we Awards. We did indeed. We were delighted with that. That's fantastic. And that's for your work, obviously, with your business, Her Money which is yes. focusing on the financial planning for professional women. Yes, we opened that business in 2016. Mm-hmm. And you've also co-founded CWM, Asset Management, as well. That's it. So that'll be 15 years in next year, 2023. And we'll be celebrating that milestone uh, by expanding. So we're taking on some more staff and we're also rebranding. So our sister company is called Contracting Plus. And they're um, a national accounting practice for self-employed professional contractors. So we will be rebranding to Contracting Plus Financial Services to sit more in line with their very strong branding. So it's it's going to be a very, very exciting year for us next year. Yeah, so this is brilliant. You really have built some strong businesses over many years' experience. And I think really you're a trailblazer for women in, in oh, the industry. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and also because a lot of what you do is about empowering women as well with their own finances Mm -hmm. so I I was just wondering if I was to sort of wind back the clock a bit and Mm -hmm. if I met sort of 10 year old Carol Mm -hmm. say would I have sensed then that you might have been going on to be a bit of a trailblazer (laughs) um I suppose you know 10 year old Carol um I was living not too far away from here in Kilmoyley um daughter of a, a dairy farmer I suppose, you know, we came from a very strong working, 
um, ethical background. You know, my parents were very, very strong or very hard workers and my grandparents before them. So I suppose it was early to bed, early to rise. There was a very, very big um, emphasis on education and doing well at school. And I was very lucky in that we had an excellent um, national school education in Kilmoyle National School. And that just provided the perfect, I suppose, ground for, for future success. Mm. You know, the basics were right from, from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, I, I think my primary education had a lot to do with that. And, you know, I was quite a de- I was always very determined, um, you know, personally. So I think obviously my personal characteristics kind of drove it on as well. So I would be quite competitive, quite determined and quite hardworking. Mm. And did you have to get stuck in on the farm in those? I mean, you're one of four girls, is mm-hmm. that right? Were you, did you all have to get involved? Oh, indeed, yeah. All hands on deck, everything from cleaning out cow sheds to milking cows, drawing in hay, straw, being around for the silage, everything. Everyone helped out, which was great. And you know what? It was the best, I suppose, upbringing and the, the best training we got for future, for our future working lives was, was just mm-hmm. hard work from a very young age. And I suppose also seeing your mother in a role uh, as working as hard as, as your dad and being equally involved. That's what what do you think that sort of taught you about about you know a woman's role as well? And yeah, I suppose you know my mother really was probably my my greatest mentor in life. Um, you know she had four young children to rear. Um, I never remember getting up in the morning and mum was still in the house. Mum was always out on the farm as we got ourselves ready for school and obviously she'd come over and, and get breakfast but mum had already done a day's work at that point you know mum would be up at between 5 five thirty in the morning so I think you know I have her to thank for just I suppose the very kind of hard working ethos behind well all of us um inherited that basic um trait I think but um yeah I mean from a very early age my mother was the person that was I suppose doing most of the work you know, both in the house and on the farm. And, you know, I have heard, as I said, to, to, to thank for most of my uh, inf- hardworking influence. Yeah. And do you think she, I mean, obviously she was married into farming and had children, but would she ever speak of any other aspirations she might have had for herself? Or did she encourage you all to have aspirations? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, she would have been very, very, I suppose, encouraging to us. Um, you know, there was mom very been, had very rarely time to sit down and talk about her own aspirations, to be honest, you know. Yeah. Um, but she always wanted the best for each of the four of us. And, you know, I'm delighted, you know, that we've all done very, very well. We're all in uh, professional careers and all have kids now. Well, sorry, bar one, the youngest, all have kids and, you know, really taking leaves out of her book in the way that she, she reared us. And was it interesting as well, I suppose... For, for a couple that are in farming you know there has to be a strong partnership there mm-hmm. they've got to rely on each other get through good and bad times do you think that also might have taught you about sort of the importance of partnerships because obviously what you've gone on to do is, is kind of having your own business mm-hmm. and being entrepreneurial can mm-hmm. often be mm-hmm. you, you know you've got your own sole individual mm-hmm. kind of goals but mm-hmm. obviously there's the importance of I suppose having other people to help That's and it. partnerships. Yeah. yeah, it's more about having the team behind you really, you know, and um, look, that started at a young age. Mum and dad were the best team I've ever come across. But now, I suppose, looking at myself, I have a team to manage my 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 boy. It's firstly, I have an excellent childminder. I have brilliant people that help me at home. And then I have the very, very best team you could possibly have 
in both her money and CWM and you're as good as your team I think and you know I have them to thank for the success of the business um, so I think the partnership the team it can't that that kind of whole aspect can never be underestimated because it's them that makes the success of the business really yeah brilliant well we'll, we'll come back to that okay. um in a little while um i just also wanted to touch being one of four girls as well that's mm-hmm. a lot of girl power in the house as well i wonder what that that's that it. dynamic was like yeah and, uh, absolutely like i suppose you know people look back and they go god your poor dad you know he's <laughs> unfortunately deceased now but you know he was a brave man and you know it wasn't just five women he was living with he was living with five very opinionated very five very strong personalities so um you know we had great fun growing up and everyone got on very well most of the time um but as i said um you know it it was it was a fantastic dynamic and it still is to this day yeah great now i read um in I think it was a Times article that mm-hmm. when when you were um, getting a bit older and you did your leaving cert that you were very focused then even on sort of economics and business and I think we're slightly odd compared to all the others focused on other subjects and I just wondered what do you remember what sort of sparked your interest in in business at that stage and how did you feel about following a different path to the, to others is that mm. something you was comfortable doing um, I was comfortable doing it but you know. I suppose my teachers, my parents and other people involved in the educational aspect of my life were quite worried and concerned that literally, you know, coming out of third year, I I literally dropped everything that was not business related. Like even in primary school, the, the first book I'd pull out when I went home was my maths book. I absolutely loved figures. And obviously that then moved on to the whole interest in finance. Um, I had no interest whatsoever in science. I probably was the only student in my secondary school to have almost failed history in my junior cert. Um, I abhorred geography and I just absolutely loved business organisation, accounting, economics and maths. And, you know, I got top grades in all of those throughout my primary and secondary schooling. And in the leaving cert, I, you know, I got top marks in all of those subjects. But I knew that it was going to be obviously business orientated. I I would be business orientated in the future and I was very passionate and some people say how you could be actually passionate about either of those subjects <laughs> is beyond them. But I guess you know that made me a little bit weird. Um you know my teachers were quite concerned that I didn't take at least one science subject going into fifth year but I knew it wasn't, it wasn't for me and I just didn't have any interest in those subjects anyway and I'm not going to study something that I'm not passionate about. Do you feel at that point that would you just sort of been driven to make money, or was it? Do you wanted to have sort of ideas to 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 make money? What what was it? Yeah, first? I guess I always fancied, you know, possibly going down the entrepreneurial ship side of things. Um, I loved the idea of owning my own business or being a partner in a business. Um, the whole kind of financial advice side really appealed to me from a very young age. Now, obviously, I did a, a long stint in banking before I got there, but you know that was good experience as well. Um, but yeah, making money. Obviously, I wanted to do well. Um, and you know, live in a nice house and do nice things and go to nice places. And you know, obviously, you know, I have to admit that was, you know, a, a bit of the inspiration as well. Yeah, and actually, why not? I mean, I wonder if you sort of say you have to admit. I mean, I I do think you know when I listen to male entrepreneurs, it's it's all like mm. they're sort of almost proud to say mm. they want to. You know, there's nothing wrong as well with mm. wanting to be successful and make money. Absolutely not. And yeah. I mean, I kept climbing through the ranks. Literally, you know, if I wasn't happy in a job, I left it after one two years until I was you know 
in a more comfortable more lucrative position and that's worked well for me I have to admit yeah and did, did you experience any sexism at that stage because it would have been especially inside the, in the 90s like a bit more male dominated yeah even more you know yeah I suppose look I experienced sexism then and and all the way since then I experienced sexism every single day of my of my job you know I suppose it's still very rare to have females in management roles. We're traditionally always in the administration side of things, even very rarely on the fee earning side of things, commission earning. It's nearly always, as I said, in supportive functions. So um, the more I've actually climbed up the ranks and now that I'm kind of, I suppose, managing director of my own company, I'm even seeing it more. You know, I'm at industry events where I might be one of 10 women, business owners, business brokers, and it's it's all men. And when you're asked, what do you do? And I say that I'm a, a business owner, you know, they kind of, their jaw drops, you know, because I'm not the girl in the office or, you know, but, you know, I take it in the chin. I think that's inappropriate. It's overt. It's disgusting. But I take it in the chin and I, I just rise above it. And, if, you know, I know better to let it upset me. It's more of a sad reflection on these inverted commas, yeah. professional males that, you know, regard themselves as, uh, nice people to work with in the industry but um it's pretty sad yeah um i mean i know there's a, a women in finance charter now i think in, in mm -hmm. ireland where they are trying to address the gender imbalances yeah. i think it is improving but it seems to be at the top level where you're still not seeing as many women i mean i think i saw a statistic in the recent survey 84 mm -hmm. percent of those higher revenue generating roles are still male absolutely which is yeah that is the truth of it yeah um, you know, we can't underestimate the amount of work that needs to be done in that space. And I do, don't think they've even gotten, you know, I don't think they've even reached half the, the milestones that they have at this point. Um, you know, I, I'm quite involved in that whole area myself and I'm quite interested in it. Um, but, you know, 2023-2024 now should see huge improvements, I'm hoping. Well, also, I find that when women do reach these positions, there's this sense that you have to behave in a certain way, almost like men, mm. to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And I was reading an article on Francesca McDonough, who oh, was yeah. CEO of Bank of Ireland. Um, and, you know, there was descriptions of her being um, quite a challenging personality. This was in an article, so mm -hmm. I'm quoting here and mm -hmm. saying that she could be a bit shouty and screamy, mm -hmm. and but, but had a spine of steel. And mm -hmm. I, I just thought... You know, it's it's very difficult when you get to the top as a woman. Then it's it you can be seen as as difficult, and mm -hmm. you know I don't think you'd be getting these descriptions for men in the same position. Mm -hmm. I wondered, have you ever felt you've had to behave a certain way to be taken seriously? Um, look, I guess you probably have to express yourself a little bit more. You know, I I give out a lot. I do have I will say a spine of steel as well. I suppose when you look at it, not only do I deal with um, males in the industry I have over three and a half thousand clients and over two and a half thousand of them are male so you know I suppose you do have to adapt your personality a, a bit different but I'm very very straight talking and I think if you're not that and you don't have the spine of steel then you're not going to survive in the financial mm. industry and I think I understand everything about her I really admire Francesca actually and I don't think she would have even gotten to you know half the ranks that she had gotten on without being like that yeah. and I think it's completely necessary as a female in the business yeah to to to, to adopt and, and be like that yeah and I get but there's a difference I guess bet between that spine of steel that's just being a strong 
business person mm. to being kind of that other side where there's this sense well that means you're difficult because you're yeah. a woman and well, I think that's where line. and yeah. that's that's where it's un, un, unfair that's and, it there's uh, a fine line luckily I know you know when I'm crossing it and I get, get get myself back over you know as soon as I can but um, yeah I mean it's it's quite quite easy to achieve that happy medium I think but yeah and was it quite important to you when you were creating a culture for your own business how, how you wanted that to be so that you could obviously be be inclusive and be mm-hmm. encouraging more see women in particularly and up in more senior roles how, what kind of were you kind of conscious creating the business what kind of culture you wanted yeah I mean like from day one I suppose you know I believe in the fact that you have to look beyond the wage packet especially when you're trying to attract women to the industry so you know be it flexible working which I suppose women need now more than ever with you know kids at home etc um mentoring opportunities you know you you really have to provide more than just a salary on once a month to attract wealth firstly I suppose good staff anyway but to attract more women to roles and we've been very successful doing that and I I think just on that it'd be good to just talk a bit about encouraging more Mm -hmm. more women and girls into the financial industry Mm -hmm. I mean I suppose you actually loved maths and numbers but you don't necessarily necessarily have to be good at those things to to be successful I mean finance is very broad but I actually in my experience I was better at literature in Mm -hmm. fact and arts but I still got into I was in finance for Mm -hmm. a few years and Mm -hmm. I think actually some of my analytical skills I'd Mm -hmm. learned on the literature side I could apply Mm -hmm. and also you have to be a good communicator as well and and all those sorts of things Um, yeah I mean a lot of the people that joined us um, don't have any education in finance but you know I suppose we provide very very detailed training Um, I suppose there could be a lot more done um, with more specific campaigns to attract more women into the finance side of it. Um, we do it in two ways. We work with the universities in getting graduates on board. We've had some really, really successful graduates with us. Um, and we also try and get, I suppose, more people to re-enter the industry. So now we currently have two people working with us that were working in the financial services industry and um, both kind of were off between 15 10 15 years to mind kids and rear their children now they're both back and i don't think there's enough to be done there's enough being done to encourage those type of personnel to re-enter the workforce um and we well, we're delighted to have them on board because they both had so much experience between the two of them um but you know each one of my team is individual and we work with them and you know my i, I operate a very open door policy i'm very approachable um, and we have had some people and well the, the business is 15 years next year we'll have people that will be on the team 11 years 8 years and hopefully will be with me for a long time to come so I do think that we've been very successful in getting that balance right and you know my staff seem to be very very happy but I think it's essential to not just to you need to look way way past that wage packet to, to, to keep it keep the balance right yeah. so if I was to sort of phone your company and speak to one of your colleagues what how might they describe you um well i think pleasant to work with um i'm very fair um uh, i'm understanding um uh, look i suppose you know it can be tough when it comes to it we've had two recessions you know there had to be some round table tough talking as in communicating with our clients and things but uh yeah, I think they would say that I'm fair to work with and that I am quite competitive. I a lot of them find me quite inspirational. Um and I and I would like to think that I'm an inspiration to them and you know and everything that we've achieved over the last 50 15-
And I wonder when you were founding CWM at that time, what did you have role models then for, for women that you could see founding businesses or was it quite new territory? It was new territory for me and to be honest I didn't think that that would happen for, for a long time yet. Um, I suppose the two my two fellow directors are the two founding directors of Contracting Plus, that accounting practice that I mentioned earlier. And um, I was just very lucky to meet them at the time, but I didn't think that opening my own business would happen so early. And it was a greenfield startup. I mean, we literally had to apply for the license from the central bank. There was nothing in place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was extremely uh, challenging. It was earlier than I thought, but I didn't have anyone really that I would have looked up to at that point. Um, it was serious learning curves, but it was it was achieved and you know we started to look after our first clients less than four months later with um you know an incorporation certificate and all our approvals hanging on the wall so and it's gone from strength to strength so as i said we've over three and a half thousand clients now so you know it's, it's fantastic been, it's been really really good yeah. yeah and actually just prior to that when you left your previous roles more in the on sort of the on the banking side and that was i, I believe at the sort of health, height of the celtic yes. tiger times and Perhaps your advice at the time from friends and family might have been, you're, you're crazy, you've got, mm. you know, we're well paid, good job, yeah. why, why would you leave? And, and how did you go about making that decision um, and maybe going against that better advice yeah. to, to follow your instincts that you wanted something different? Yeah, I think um, I was very unhappy um, in the bank. As you said, it was the height of the boom. My shares were worth, oh my God, probably a hundred times more than they are now. Um, you know, everyone wanted to get into the bank still at that point, and there I was in my pensionable job, being paid well, but just very, very unhappy. I made several attempts to move into different areas. I applied for even some training courses to get me into the area that I thought I would excel at, which was the whole advisory side, which is what I'm doing since I left uh, very successfully. So, you know, I was very disappointed that doors were closed on me and um, that the talents I had weren't I suppose explored more by my line managers at the time and the people who I think to be honest with you it was a bit of a boys club back then which was unfortunate but it was um and I was turned down for opportunities that I really believed that I deserved and that's why I left and the first job I went into I knew it was the right decision and even when I left the bank one of the managers said you'll be like Bambi learning to walk again outside these four walls and I just said, right, that's it. And I left my little box of tricks. Nobody even looked up from their desks. And that was it. And I I think that I got my first position about six weeks later. And having just done one day of that job, which was aiming towards kind of senior financial advisor role, I knew I'd made the right decision. So that was the beginning of my career, really. Yeah. Well, Bambi turns into a stag, ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that, so that, I said... That could have gone either way, I suppose, because you could have really that could have really knocked your confidence. That's but, it. But yeah, you took that and it yeah, just drove I don't you think on. my confidence could have gotten much worse. To be honest with you, I was at a low point that I was unhappy, um, and like that, if you're sitting in a job that you absolutely hate day after day, um, you know your confidence does begin to get knocked. And you know, if you're gone for, I think I went for four or five different interviews, and you know, some of these people I knew within the bank, some of them didn't even come back to me. You know, I never heard back from some of those, which was worse than even being turned down, you know, that I was thought so little of. And that was that was quite hurtful. But 
it could only go one way and that was upwards and I was just lucky that the minute I left anyway I made the right decision yeah so as you mentioned you've gone on to and then taken on now three three and a half thousand clients it's mm-hmm. but it's a it's a steep learning curve from being an employee to an employer that's it and I wonder what do you think's been the hardest part of that curve as um, you've grown I suppose when it was just me and one other from 2008 to perhaps 2010, 11, there was two years there where I was every department, you know, I was marketing, I was HR, I was finance, now we do have good accountants, but you know, you are responsible for making every single decision within the actual organisation and you know, also I suppose what's challenging is when do I, you know, when do I start to recruit more? When do I know I'm at the safe point where I can say, right, let's start recruiting. Let's take that risk. It's it's risk taking. But I suppose, you know, you just have to move outside the box, moving outside your comfort zone. That's been key to me is just, you know, moving outside that comfort zone. It's very easy to stay in that office with the one other staff member and just take it as it's coming, you know, take clients as they knock on my door. But it was just, I suppose, knowing when was the right time to expand taking the risks getting the people in and now we have we'll have 14 by the end of January now at this stage so uh, yeah the the first few years were very challenging obviously a year into the business we hit the first recession the property related recession um, which obviously wasn't pleasant but you know key to success all along has been you know quality communication with our clients good or bad you know when when it's good or bad times in the economy and we minded all our clients we kept in constant contact with them and they're still with us to this day so um, yeah it's been a, a a very hilly ride but we got there yeah and it is it is quite a roller coaster anyway in that industry because yeah. of course markets can be unpredictable and it's 24 mm. 7 yes and as you said sometimes you're not delivering good news that's it and do you find that you thrive in those conditions um or I wouldn't you... say thrive because you know it's very disappointing for me as a financial advisor to place someone in a portfolio and it is something completely out of my control that you know makes it fail or you know uh, prevents it from obviously growing as 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 well as we'd initially thought so I'm disappointed for clients who put their trust in me and then I have to call them to say their portfolios have lost 30% due to something like what have we seen you know we've had Brexit we've had obviously the war we've had two recessions um and you know I suppose Donald Trump getting into the presidency there at the start you know created a little bit of rocky 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 waves um, so yeah that's been quite difficult but I mean you know we have to learn to communicate with our clients in the right way and just I suppose try and convince them to stick with it you know meaning their portfolio and stick with us and they all have um, the only ones that did move were people who didn't heed our advice and that didn't pay off in the end but that's that's that's, that's a decision mm. they took personally you know but uh, yeah it's it's been quite challenging but as I said We'd know we'd nobody that that left just because they didn't receive quality advice, yeah. which is the most important thing. And I guess on leading on from that, with with sort of the attitude to risk is interesting um, because I suppose on one hand, what you're doing is very much about sort of security mm-hmm. and thinking ahead and saving for that rainy day as mm. well and offering that security to clients. But then on the flip side, I suppose there is there is risk, as we say, with any investments, mm-hmm. however you might think they're guaranteed or not. And with setting up a business, you have mm-hmm. to take risk, as you mm-hmm. said, you have to step out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, not in terms of you personally, not in terms of professionally, mm-hmm. but how do you think you're a risk taker? 
Um, yeah, I'm a risk taker. I mean, my own my own portfolios are probably in the highest risk category you can possibly find out there. Um, but yeah, I'm a risk taker, and I don't think I'd have gotten to where I am without being a risk taker. And that comes to everything really. Um, and again, staying inside your comfort zone can you know be pleasing and present very little challenge or discomfort. But you know, I don't I don't think you're gonna achieve anything without taking an element yeah. of risk, personally or professionally. Yeah. Yeah, and what might you say has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned from all your years of experience with with investments? Um, um, it's knowing the client, getting to know the client. Now, when we meet our clients, we have a several meetings with them before they invest with us. And there's a lot of financial advisors out there that are not doing that. And if you don't know your client, then you don't know what their appetite for risk is like. And when you know you reach a, a, a patchy part of the the journey. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to explain to them why they've lost money when they should never have been invested in that in the first place. So the most important thing for us as advisors is knowing the client. And we have, you know, various ways of doing that. But every advisor that we have on the team needs to do that before they ever, I suppose, advise on a particular product. Mm. Do you know, I've, I really respect that answer because mm. the first thing you said was putting your clients mm. and that just shows how they come first. Mm. There wasn't any, you know, which I think says it. That's all, it, Carol, yeah. Actually. And I suppose we've become known for that. And, you know, we get so many referrals because, you know, it's not about selling for us. Our business isn't about selling. It's about minding people's money. And some of them, you know, even if they don't invest, if they don't invest with us, that's not a problem. We'd like them to just think they got sound advice and they they are getting sound advice or it's almost like financial counseling like we have people that just ring us up you know our our number is on our website and they might ring us up they might have a query about a tax return or how to claim tax back on a pension which doesn't create income for us but we're more than happy to help out you know so for us it's more about providing knowing the clients providing sound advice and finding and providing them with more or less financial counseling rather than trying to flog products yeah. and there's too many brokers trying to do that to be honest yeah. with you it's about building up funds and, you know, trying to get as much commission sometimes inappropriately into their bank account, which is, I can't believe they're still getting away with that, to be honest. Yeah. And obviously it's knowing your clients that helped you to see an, an opportunity to create her money, which was where That's you it. saw for women that there were these sort of gaps in the financial plans of, of professional mm. women. I wonder, what what do you think's behind that? Is it, is it is it this conditioning we still have that... That finance is still a bit more of a male domain mm. what do you think was is behind this sort of gap that you saw okay so I suppose we were meeting more and more female contractors that were being very very well paid but when you examined I suppose the financial provisions they had in place I mean it was absolutely quite scary you know there was no protection whatsoever in place in terms mm. of sickness or god forbid dying early and they had absolutely nothing in the pot for when they retired and Okay, a lot of them had, had gaps in their careers from, you know, taking time off to mind kids or elderly relatives or whatever, but they just hadn't paid any heed to their own financial planning. And, you know, a lot of them said that, you know, they're the plate spinners at home. They just physically just don't have the time. It always comes last. They come last anyway. And, you know, some of them, I suppose, and a lot of people are allergic to this side of things. You know, pensions aren't straightforward. There's a lot of jargon. They're very complicated or people think they're complicated when, you know, they just need to sit down with a financial advisor who's going to explain it step by step. So they're just not picking up the phone. They're not, I suppose, 
you know, availing of the opportunities that are out there to sit down and talk candidly about what do I need and how do I get it? Um, and we have a lot of people that are working, that are earning quite a lot of money that are in their 50s now. And the end is in sight for these people. And, you know, they're going to get a rude awakening when some of them are earning over €100,000 a year and they're going to have to get used to the fact that the state pension is just over 12 and a half. So um, we're just trying to help more and more and more women understand the gaps that they have and how to fill them. And it's not difficult. It's not difficult at all. The other thing is, I suppose, women are living longer now than ever and women have more gaps naturally because they take more time out of the workforce so that means that women more so than men should be seeking advice and you know we've carried out numerous surveys um in this whole area and the results are equally as startling as what i'm seeing on the ground every day you know we did one there now recently and less than 20 percent of the 150 women earning over 50k that were questioned had any type of protection in place so you know we've had 42 year old women We've had a 42-year-old woman who had a stroke with us and she didn't have income protection. She'd taken the form, gotten the quotes, but she didn't have time to fill out the form and she's actually still out of work. So it's just minding yourself, you know, we're, we're, we're the last to be looked after. So it's just being more proactive, pick up the phone. Usually the first consultation with any advisor is free. It's just take the time out, seek advice. And they're actually so pleasantly surprised when they actually realise how how easy it is to get sorted and constant review obviously everyone's circumstances change you could earn more you could earn less you could um, you know have another dependent in the year since I saw you last so annual reviews are key as well to the overall success of of a financial plan yeah okay and I well I suppose I mean that's so true about women find themselves at the the bottom of the list Mm. and it really is a case of saying you've got to you really have to push yourself up to the top there's certain things but I suppose even for you, for yourself, um, you know, running a very busy and successful business, you also have a son. Mm-hmm. You've also, you know, and this finance, as I said, it's twenty four seven. You could get a call at any time. The markets mm-hmm. could be crashing you. Mm-hmm. So you're spinning a lot of plates, mm. and I imagine you know that there's a lot of pressure on your time. Mm. How how do you? cope with that what's the reality of of having um, to spin those plates in your situation well it's it's quite stressful you know i'm gonna be completely honest um it's not easy um you know i i work seven days some weeks um i do a good bit of writing which i do at the weekends i am very rarely if ever outside the school gate um i don't i barely know any of the other mums because i'm not there um I don't think Morris has suffered because of that. I think he's extremely happy. He understands my job and he's quite proud of me, even at this young age. Um, I have really good help. Um, I suppose, again, I alluded to earlier, you're as good as your team. I have a child minder who's worked for me since Morris was six weeks old and he's now gone seven. And he calls her his other mum. And, you know, she's got a great family. She's got a little boy and girl and Morris loves them very much. She collects them every day. She brings them to his activities. And I try and take over after that. But it is, it's not without its stresses. Um, I sign up for all the different courses, Pilates and swimming and this, that and the other. And I rarely get to go. So 2023 is going to be about finding more people, or more downtime for myself and hopefully finding that equilibrium where I can relax a little bit more. Yeah, yeah and I suppose it is It is always working towards that. And But do, do you think it is important to accept that actually we all keep talking about this balance but actually a real a 
balance is very difficult isn't it there is always going to be a tip one way or the other for women and there's there's always so much guilt associated with that that's it like I find myself I I get up at 6am and I stop at 10pm and that is full on work 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 and then collecting Morris you know I obviously um, do most of the cooking and all of that at home as well so by the time I finish that it's 10pm and it's next to impossible to just find any time even if you get up in the morning and say right today I'm going to do this something always happens but it's it's not allowing that thing to prevent you from doing and I unfortunately haven't perfected that I allow other things to always come first mm. and look I've been advised by medics and I've been invi- advised by my mentors that that's an issue for me and that is you know it's probably one of my biggest faults is not saying right okay I'm going to park this do it tomorrow and I'm going to go for a walk instead I just find it absolutely impossible to do that and I'm going to try my very level hardest to, to just be better that next year because you know it doesn't pay off in the end and I've seen people you know suffering from burnout and you can get ill or whatever so I'm going to just try and work more on myself next year yeah well that's good to hear what what are the things you would like to do just to help you switch off I mean you mentioned walking or some exercise that's it I'd, I'd like to be able to do something early morning but that's kind of impossible at the moment I find if you get your exercise or that walk I love to go for a walk we're very lucky that we live close to the city in Cork but we are out in the middle of the countryside and there's a lot of farmland around us so I'm off up those fields and I find that's fantastic but it's just you know not getting distracted by the emails that are in the inbox or anything to do at work now that still rarely happens but I'm going to try and do it more next year um, I'm going to try and take up some other hobbies as well. Um, I have some in mind, but I'm going to explore more options next year. Yeah. I think it's 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 really, you know, it's it's good for people to hear about this situation because I think so many women will relate. And there's mm-hmm. this, especially, you know, at the end of the day, as you said, sometimes you, you're not at the school gate. Mm-hmm. And that, and Morris has um, a childminder and, and she might be like a second mum. And that's mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. you know, if he's mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. And... As you said, it's, it's also very valuable for them to see a woman, their mum, in, in a in a role, working role. That's so it. Someone that, that can inspire them as much as perhaps their other parent. Mm. And he says it to me quite often, actually, Morris. He goes, you know, Mum, I, I really appreciate you working so hard. I know you work so hard for me. And, you know, we do have, obviously, we have a comfortable life. He, go, he gets to go to nice places, you know, a few holidays a year, and he enjoys them. And he knows that's because we both work hard. Obviously, my husband works equally as hard. But yeah, he, he he appreciates the reason we work hard is to obviously make sure that he's got, you know, a, a, a roof over his head and that he's able to go to school and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I think I'm inspirational to him. I I will put my, take my hat off to that. <laughs> and, and he says it quite regularly. Yeah. So hopefully that it will continue to be the way. And he won't be giving out to me for missing this, that <laughs> and the other. <laughs> <laughs> suppose with the business being the success that it is and you know there could be someone that would might want to buy it out and you could say right well it, with all this stress I could put my health first and maybe retire for a while and just enjoy yeah. would you consider that well with CWM there's two other partners with me there's three of us in that business altogether. so you know obviously that's not what we have intended for that business at all um I do plan to, um, we're getting more and more management in place in the new year to hopefully take more time away from the business and even time away to work on the business than rather than being stuck in the office, you know, stuck in the middle of it. 
um, and maybe hopefully take more personal time off. Like I, uh, there was a point where when Morris was born, I took one day to myself. So I'm hoping to do that. I won't be definitely in any, I suppose, I, I don't intend to sell her money perhaps in years to come when it's, I suppose, gotten bigger. That may be an option, but not for now. No. So would you miss work? Would you say you'd, you'd you know, that actually you want to continue because you enjoy what you do? I would. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do really, really know it. it's stressful and it's busy, but I really, really, really enjoy it. And, you know, even if I took a day's leave there and I had no plans, I would find myself, <laughs> this may sound sad, checking my emails, making the odd client phone call because I don't know any different. I'm doing this every single day for the last 15 years. I don't take really a lot of time out, um, proper time out. Um, but yeah, I would really miss the day-to-day running a business. And I, I get on very well with my colleagues. I get on with my industry peers. And I do get on really well with my clients. And that's my life. It's my life at this point. Yeah. But you mentioned that um, just taking a, a day, even when you had a newborn. Mm. So I wonder, I mean, take, what, what was that like? Yeah. To... I famously never put on my out-of-office when I was having Morris, I replied to emails the day before he was born, the morning he was born, and the day afterwards. So I famously, people always say, is it true you never put on your out of office? So I never really was uncontactable, even at the height of the actual delivery of Morris, which probably sounds really sad, but you know what? I was so comfortable knowing that everything was okay. So... I have my VIP clients. I was able to contact them directly. Um, and I knew that the management I had in the office were able to cope with everything because I could see everything. And, you know, some days, obviously, I didn't have to contact anyone or, or make any phone calls. And that was fine, too. But I never actually took any time off around around that time. I was kind of had my finger on the buzzer at all times. So it sounds like for you, that was actually a comfort to, it was. to just know you could be in touch with everyone that's it because you know what the business was going going through an actual growth spurt at the time um and you know it wasn't ideal me not being there um so i just felt comfortable knowing what was going on um and it was all good actually the business grew more that year than in the previous four years so then i felt that it was worth it um and don't get me wrong the people that were in the office uh, were extremely capable and very very experienced financial professionals and well able to deal with it but I just felt you know being able to have some visibility on it and knowing that it was all okay helped me kind of relax more at home mm. I mean after all I suppose I am the managing director at the end of the day and you know what I don't know too many MD female MDs out there that take a year off after having their first yeah. or their second third baby I don't know anyone that's taken full maternity leave so that wasn't strange for me but I suppose it's still a huge adjustment to life isn't it having having a child and I oh, just absolutely. wonder how what what did did you have to adapt and change and you know what surprised you about that that perhaps you hadn't expected yeah I suppose it's just time you know I my time I suppose I had Morris at the other side of 40 so I had a very long life of uh pleasing myself I suppose and in, in straight words um, and being where I wanted to be when I wanted. So this was a huge, huge change. But obviously, I mean, I was never so happy in my life, you know. But it was just, I suppose, having to divide your time <laughs> between because it was predominantly work. But uh, yeah, it was absolutely, you know, it, it was fine. I, I loved the adjustment. Sure, we were so happy that he came into our lives. You know, the joy kind of really, I suppose, took us through it and to this day, you know. 
Yeah, and I guess you've obviously you you mentioned you know your your husband as a, as a career as well. So mm-hmm. I guess it's that partnership again of having to manage that between you when you have a very you know busy successful career yourself. Yes, that's it. I suppose I do find as a mother that you know at times where a child is sick, it's always you know the mom that they want which has been quite challenging because I don't know with Maris he's had so many different illnesses throughout and obviously none uh, you know nothing serious but he's he's sick a lot so you know it's me he wants so you know I I found that difficult that out of the two parents I might have a day's meetings lined up in Dublin and I'm in Cork and suddenly I have to cancel everything because I'm the mom and my, my career literally just needs to be put on hold and whatever plans I had for that day need to be completely scrapped. That took getting used to. Uh, now, I wouldn't have ch- changed it for the world and I absolutely loved being there for him. But that was a rude awakening for me, you know, that it is the mum that literally does everything. Like if he's sick, he's not going to look for his dad or if there's something majorly wrong, it's always mum. But I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be that person. But when you've got a very busy business, it's very, very, very challenging. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of women will relate to that, especially. Th- I think the pandemic really highlighted that as well. That's that it. when, we- when everyone was suddenly at home, it was it was the the, yeah. the women in the household that were managing everything yeah. within the household. Yeah. all the children, or if it's their schooling and their That's jobs, yeah. and they were really finding this 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 strain. Yeah. And um, it's that's that's really a, a cultural shift yeah. that will take time, really. Yeah. To, to yeah, I found that probably the most challenging time of my whole career because clients needed more reassurance during that time than ever before. So we had more contact with clients. You were literally on Zoom or you were on the phone all day long, yet you had to be on the school Zoom from nine till twelve, actively sitting there with your child. Um, Con was 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 at home as well but he was still able to continue some of his work because it was regarded as essential so yeah it was very very challenging and then you know preparing the three meals a day at the same time and cleaning up and um we actually i'm starting to sweat thinking back to that yeah yeah we had our busiest year and uh our most successful year of business was was 2020 forward stroke 2021 when we were all at home and if I didn't actually go around the bend that year, I can safely say it's definitely not going to happen. No. <laughs> what, what what was that like for you? I mean, what what did it look like for you to 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 be juggling all of that? The the stress was it sort of sleepless nights or uh, just no? I it would take a lot for me to have a sleepless night, but I I found myself on edge because you know what? None of us knew what was coming down the line. Nobody knew how long this was going to last for. Nobody knew how long we'd all were going to be all cooped home together for. You know, it was just the uncertainty about it. And the other thing is, I'm very used to being able to control most factors in my life. You know, I'm not a control freak, but I like knowing what's coming down the line. And I like being able to control, I suppose, most variables. Whereas the recession brought, or the, sorry, the pandemic brought the situation where no one knew what was going to happen tomorrow. And it was that uncertainty that really shook me, you know. Um, and yes, it was stressful, you know, I know there's only, we've only one child, but still the three of us when you're cooped up all day long and, you know, you're trying to find that quiet spot for the Zoom meeting and you get the interruptions. <laughs> I nearly went out of my mind. Yeah. Well, I think we could, <laughs> I think we're all there with you on that one. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't for me. And look, I was more than delighted when the, the doors of the office opened. I think I left quite bad skid marks in my driveway. <laughs> Now, um, I have read in, in an interview with you that um, 
when you talk about a definition of success, it, you said fulfillment of potential. Mm. And I just wondered how you feel about that. Do you feel you have fulfilled your potential at this stage? Um, I think I have, to be honest with you. I suppose the harmony was a dream that I had, um, you know, way back 2010, 2011. Now, don't get me wrong, I was very happy doing what I'm doing at CWM Wealth Management. But the, you know, the, the setting up of her money really went from being a pipe dream to a reality when I, I sat down with, you know, my PR manager, now Sharon Bannerton, and I'll never forget having this conversation in Dublin where I put to her the business idea and she was so enthusiastic about it. And, you know, within months, the business was open and operating and it's now going from strength to strength. And, you know, I, I, I give it 120%, I suppose. Um, I'm, I, I think I have. Um, I'm hoping now that I can just grow them both to the max, you know, the, the potential that the businesses have and then start to enjoy it and slightly step back a little bit. I'm hoping, right? Mm. Um, the expansion and the rebranding next year has been on the cards for a very, very long time and it's now actually, you know, being actively um, processed. Um, everything is, is being done at the moment. So that's going to be another major achievement. So I think once we've done that, and her money is, is, is flying, as I said. Um, I think I, I'm pretty happy with where, where I've reached. Yeah. And I suppose as we are about to enter another year, in 2023, mm-hmm. I think listeners will be interested to know what your thoughts are on the outlook mm-hmm. um, for in, investing and any tips as well, perhaps. That's it. I suppose, look, um, it's going to be a very challenging year again in the markets. There's no doubt about that. Um, I suppose the situation in the Ukraine and Russia is not going to change in the short, medium term. I think, you know, we could be facing into a full year of that again. Um, it's going to be very choppy, I will say. Um, you know, it's all about quality advice. It's about talking to your advisor and seeking advice before you do anything with funds. Um, and that's no matter what part of the investment cycle you're in or what age you are. Um, it's just... I suppose, again, like us, knowing your client, seeking quality advice and being properly measured in terms of your appetite for risk. Uh, but it's it's not going to be pleasant, I'm going to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But those clients that are already in, invested, we would say, sit on it. It's only going to be obviously a medium term, I suppose, um, blip. Um, but it's going to be very, very challenging. But advice is there. Just pick up the phone and talk to the right people. Mm-hmm. Are there any other sort of quick tips or hacks perhaps for some of the, the women listening that maybe, as you say, might be a bit allergic to the subject yeah. or almost you get are kind of afraid to even yeah. start thinking about yeah. it because it, it's hard to understand? Yeah. Well, it's it's before you pick up the phone, examine what you have. And, you know, I, I famously heard one time and I thought it was the best description of what we as advisors do. It's making sure you have enough at the end when you finish working. OK, so that you have enough to retire on. And that you're not on the measly state pension having had a nice salary all your life. And also, if anything happens you on that journey to the end, in terms of illness, or God forbid, permit your death, that your your dependents are completely covered. If you're off sick, you're covered. But it's so it's 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 making sure you're fine at the end and if anything happens along the way, that you're you've that catered for also. So it's examining what you have. How much is in my pension? When was the last time I looked at my pension? Do I have a pension from an old employer? If so, what's in it? I don't know. Well, I'll contact them. What protections do I have in place? Pull out your policy documents. If you don't have policy documents, you need to get a policy. You know, so it's just seeing what exactly do I have in place for myself? And um, if you spot gaps, then you make the phone call. But if you're just looking for general advice on what you have, that's fine too. 
you know you don't have to be looking for something um in terms of a of a new opening anything new you can just get sound advice over the phone as well so examine what you have before you seek the advice and that's the start of the journey really mm, yeah, that's that's really helpful um and also i i think women particularly struggle when it comes to perhaps going to an employer and saying you feel you need a raise mm. Yeah, or maybe you want to negotiate terms, or you're you're entering a new job mm-hmm. and you want to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for women, women in that position? Look, too many are sitting at their desks, being quiet about this. You're not going to get anything by knocking on that door. And you know, before I went out and did my own thing, um, entrepreneurial wise, I was always looking for stuff. And guess what? It's not going to come to you sitting at your desk looking into your computer screen. Ask, ask, ask. You know. And um, I, 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 I don't think you can underestimate that, um, you know, whether it's a raise or anything about your just don't stay silent. Um, you know, there's and usually it's a lot easier than you actually think. Yeah. I mean, actually, you might be surprised by the response Absolutely. if you actually ask. Most people are. Most yeah. people are. So make 2023 the year to knock on your employer's door if you're not happy with any part of your contract. Brilliant. Well, that's that's a brilliant sort of note to to end on for the for the listeners. Absolutely, go and do that, and we'd love to hear from anyone that does do that successfully as well. <laughs> I suppose actually, just one one mm. last thing. You mentioned when you were sort of starting out and and founding the asset management business that there weren't too many role models back then. Would you say over time are there any women in business that you've come across that that have inspired you or peers that you you know that you can talk to about you know bounce ideas or just anyone that you've looked up to yeah I suppose not so much in the finance world although you mentioned Francesca earlier in Bank of Ireland um I suppose there's many women in business who have I suppose if you look at Anne O'Leary and Vodafone the way she's grown that you know that organization over the last you got 15-20 years um people like that I would look up to and I suppose they also have managed to achieve such excellent life that they're involved in so many other areas as well. Nobody really within finance, but I mean, there's there's several different women in business in Ireland that I would. And actually, I'm delighted to say I've become quite friendly with them. And I think having someone to look up to, like, say, for Anne O'Leary and seeking mentorship, you know, from somebody like that is completely invaluable. And I did that earlier in my career, actually. Um, and like that, I thought it was a bit cheeky asking but they were absolutely delighted to take me under their wing. And, you know, when you're starting your entrepreneurial journey, I think it's absolutely essential to have somebody that you admire from a business perspective there to just give you advice as well. Or, you know, I suppose just let you know where the the, the, the rights and the wrongs are, you know, to give you some sound quality advice. So I think female mentorship is, is certainly a very important thing on that journey. Yeah. Well, I guess in, within finance, you know, you are one of the role models, Carol. Thank so, you, very much. you know, for, for listeners. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, thanks again very much for your time. Thank you. And um, as we've encouraged women listening to to get out and sort of see where they're at with their finances, we hope we to hear that you have managed to find a bit of time for yourself, um, as well as you know, continuing the success of your business. Thank so, you very much. It was so a much. pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.